Live from historic downtown Carlisle, Pennsylvania, home of founding father James Wilson, 19th century hymn writer George Duffield, 19th century gospel minister George Norcross, and sports legend Jim Thorpe. It's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a radio platform in which pastors, Christian scholars, and theologians address the burning issues facing the church and the world today. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Matthew Henry said that in this passage, we are cautioned to take heed with whom we converse and directed to have in view in conversation to make one another wiser and better. It is our hope that this goal will be accomplished over the next two hours, and we hope to hear from you, the listener, with your own questions. And now, here's your host, Chris Arnzen. Good afternoon, Cumberland County, Pennsylvania, Lake City, Florida, and the rest of humanity living on the planet Earth who are listening via live streaming at ironsharpensironradio.com. This is Chris Arnzen, your host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, wishing you all a happy Thursday on this first day of February 2024. Before I introduce today's guests and topic, I just wanted to give you all an update on the Alistair Begg controversy. As many of you, if not most of you, likely already know, uh, Alistair had stirred up some controversy uh, recently uh, during a podcast he was involved in, in which he gave a grandmother uh, the recommendation to attend her grandson's wedding to a transgendered individual. And he did so uh, with the uh, the. Uh, the preface that the grandson was aware of the grandmother's Christian faith, was aware of her convictions from the scriptures that homosexuality was a sin and that this marriage was not biblically legitimate. And of course, I'm just paraphrasing, I'm using my own words here, but that's in essence what what Alistair said. Uh, but he, he said that she should nonetheless go to this wedding as an act of love uh, so that the grandson would not have the idea that all of the negative stereotypes and preconceived notions that he had about evangelical Christianity uh, were true, uh, and therefore this would be a, a wonderful surprise to this grandson, seeing that his Christian grandma was truly loving and not living up to the stereotypes of bigotry and hate that he had in his mind. Uh, that uh, stirred up a whole uh, firestorm of controversy where people have been divided over this issue on whether or not to affirm or strongly object to Alistair Begg's comments. And I did a program uh, several days ago with M.D. Perkins, uh, author of Dangerous Affirmation and staff member of the American Family Association, the organization whose radio network, American Family Radio, 
removed Alistair Begg from their lineup because of those comments and because of his unwillingness to back down and recant them. Uh, so uh, the Shepherds Conference, those uh, in charge of that conference that is led by John MacArthur at Grace Community Church in Sun Valley, California, uh, they have, uh, as of today, it may have been yesterday, but I just learned of it today, they have removed Alistair from their speaking lineup. I just wanted to keep you updated on that. And we will continue to let you know about how things progress in this situation. But today we have on the program a returning guest, Jason Storms. He is Assistant Director of Operation Save America, owner of Faithful Soldiers School of Evangelism and Discipleship, and staff member at Mercy Seat Christian Church of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Today we're going to be addressing the theme, Abortion Abolitionists, What is Required of a Person to Accurately Wear That Title? And we're going to be explaining the spectrum of activists seeking to rescue the unborn from slaughter in abortion mills. This is all being done in preparation for a debate on this program later this month that uh, my guest, Jason Storms will be having with Scott Klusendorf, who is an incrementalist in the pro-life movement. And uh, they, uh, both Jason and Scott, uh, have a mutual high respect for one another, but they disagree very strongly in certain areas on what is a proper biblical and effective strategy for a Christian seeking to be faithful to the Scriptures uh, and seeking to be a catalyst in the bringing to an end infanticide in this nation, and globally for that matter. Uh, And we'll be giving you details on uh, how to and when to listen to this live debate on Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. But uh, it's my honor and privilege to welcome you back to Iron Sharp and Zion Radio, Jason Storms. Chris, it's a pleasure to be with you, brother. Thank you. Well, uh, first of all, tell our listeners about Operation Save America. Yeah, we are our frontline organization for 35 years have been at the forefront of the fight against the preborn, gospel-centered and church-centered. And uh, we were the, the, the organization formerly known as Operation Rescue uh, under the founder Randall Terry and the rescue movement in the late 80s that uh, – you know, had a tremendous impact culturally and uh, really, I'd say, had the abortion industry against the ropes. And there was a, uh, probably a crossroads for this nation in the early 90s uh, with the election of Bill Clinton. All of that sort of fizzled out, you know, that the 12 years that preceded that of the rise of the moral majority and 12 years of Republican presidents and and uh, evangelicals waking up to their political and cultural duties and uh, all that sort of uh, sort of crumbled under under Clinton's election in 1992, and then you had uh, the Casey decision that affirmed and expanded Roe, and then you had, of course, the Face Act, which some friends of ours were just convicted this week uh, of face violations, and they're looking at up to 10 plus years in federal prison. And so, uh, you know, the the the, uh, the battle has been raging for for many decades. We're quite deep down the rabbit hole, but our organization has been on the front line of that fight for. For a long time, I've been involved with them for about 10 years now, 
and been blessed to to serve in the ministry under Rusty Thomas and uh, great brother, and to uh, have taken the ministry over almost three years ago, two and a half years ago now, and uh, Pastor Darren Stid and uh, Brother Lucas Childress serve with me in leadership, along with uh, Brother in South Carolina, Matt Brock, and uh, we got a great leadership team, and we're really blessed to to be able to carry the mantle that has been passed to us. Well, praise God for that, and if anybody wants to find out more about Operation Save America, you can go to their website, which is OperationSaveAmerica.org. Uh, now tell us about uh, the uh, Faithful Soldier uh, School of Evangelism and Discipleship. Yeah, well, that's actually something we, we really now only run a summer camp. We, we did that school for about eight years through our local church, and it was a discipleship program for young people to come and to get grounded in their faith and uh, very much a uh, mentorship, discipleship oriented. And we would take them out in the streets, do evangelism, teach them apologetics, how to defend the faith and engage the culture. We'd go to abortion clinics, college campuses, travel, work with different ministries around the country. And we just saw, you know, tremendous fruit and growth in the lives of young people as they come and be with us for a semester, send them back to their local churches to serve. And uh, really was a great catalyst for a lot of growth in young people's lives and teaching them how to defend the faith, engage the culture in the public square, and to live faithfully for Christ in a, in a very difficult culture. And this is still being run, as you said, as a camp. Yeah, we don't do our semesters anymore. We actually just do a summer camp, and we've done that now for 14, 15 years. We've had a summer camp, and that, that's a— uh, up here in Wisconsin and the frozen tundra. We thaw out in the summertime, thankfully. So uh, it's, it's a really fruitful summer camp. And we made it, we've made it not a youth camp, but a family camp. So we uh-huh. invite parents in their teens to come and be a part of it, worship together, learn together, uh, fellowship, and just have a good time of refreshment in the Lord. And uh, that's been, been very fruitful as well. Uh, something that we're working on with, with Pastor Rusty Thomas and Darren Stid is what we've are calling the Kingdom Leadership Institute. And this is, in some ways, would be kind of a new and improved version of what our Faithful Soldier School was. This has been a vision of Rusty's for many years, and he's done a lot of similar kinds of discipleship uh, work uh, over the course of his ministry. And so as he's moved to Florida and started uh, the American Reformation Church down there, we, we are going to be launching the Kingdom Leadership Institute. And that's going to be a program to train pastors political leaders, and economic, business, and entrepreneurial leaders. So three areas of study really be an alternative to traditional seminary and Bible college that I think, unfortunately, many most often falls woefully short when it comes to the, the hands-on practical application and the, and the mentorship and the discipleship. <clears throat> you know, I went to seminary, got a seminary degree, and there was really very little assessment of my character. And, uh, you know, when you look at Paul's qualifications for a pastor, an elder, you know, character is certainly uh, highest on the list above and beyond even theological competence and theological understanding, though that's certainly important. And pastors should uh, certainly hit the books and have some academic prowess and understand uh, the historical Christian faith and, and the various positions that have been held by by leaders in the church throughout history and, and have a good understanding and working knowledge of that. But but, uh, you know, character is really what sustains a man in ministry and drives a man in the effectiveness of his pulpit ministry. And so, uh, you know, humility, courage, integrity, you know, these are the things that that oftentimes 
don't get tested in Bible college and are oftentimes lacking in the pulpit. So uh, it'll be a real hands-on mentorship and discipleship-based curriculum with online academic schooling. And of course, we will we will attempt to shore up and, and emphasize some of the areas that we feel are lacking in our culture uh, in terms of the church really integrating sound biblical principle into uh, all realms of, of life and culture. So uh, that's going to be exciting. Lord willing, we'll have that launched, potentially have a pilot program in the fall of this coming year. Now, will those details be available at FaithfulSoldier.com? No, no, that'll be, uh, we have, uh, Rusty has put a, together a website, Kingdom Leadership Institute, and I'm going blank on the okay. precise, I'll look that up before you get that, uh, the Kingdom Leadership Institute. Okay, and we'll be sure to announce that whenever you have that at hand. Now, uh, to update our listeners as to exactly why you're on the program today, uh, we are conducting, God willing, uh, as long as everything goes according to our plans, God very often has different plans. But uh, we are hoping that on Wednesday, February 21st, right here on Iron Trippin's Iron Radio, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hoping to have a live debate between Dr. Scott Klusendorf and my guest today, Jason Storms. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Dr. Klusendorf, who has been a guest on this program, uh, adopts a strategy or philosophy when it comes to the pro-life movement known as incrementalism. And my guest today, Jason Storms, although he highly respects Dr. Klusendorf, uh, identifies himself as an abortion abolitionist and believes there are serious differences in ideology and strategy and worldview that uh, have very serious consequences in regard to the struggle to bring an end to infanticide in this world. And uh, I think uh, some definitions are in order here. Perhaps you could, uh, Jason be more detailed in those uh, in definitions of those different philosophies, starting with incrementalism and then moving on to abolitionism. And of course, uh, there is a spectrum of thought uh, between those extremes. And so you don't have everybody claiming to be one or the other who can be easily pigeonholed and, uh, you know, where, where you could necessarily automatically understand exactly everything that person believes in regard to uh, the law in the United States, what we should be striving for politically, uh, and what is our strategy uh, involved in trying to bring an end to infanticide. So let's start with an, uh, the incrementalist view. And then we can move on to the abolitionist view. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I think it, I don't even really like the term incrementalist. And so I don't really typically even frame the discussion as between abolition versus incrementalism. Um, you know, uh, others frame it as pro-lifeism versus abolitionism. 
Uh, some frame it as incrementalism versus immediatism. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I'm not really a big fan of any of those terms. Uh, I don't really typically use the term incremental or incrementalism. I don't typically uh, I'm not actually quite fond of the term pro-life or the term abolitionist, um, although they, they both have some utility in a given context. So to me, I think, you know, we we first and foremost are Christians and we are interested in biblical justice. And I think that's where I like to, to, to ground my terminology that I try to be biblical in my thinking. And sometimes, uh, you know, we can say, oh, you're an incrementalist and uh, you shouldn't be an incrementalist. And it gets confusing. People are like, well, well, you know, the, are, is it, do you, are you always all or nothing? And it's like, well, no, there's going to be some stages in the process. And so, well, then that's incrementalism. So there's, there's a lot of debate that goes back and forth. And we'll get into that. But um, I just think the terms are often confusing. They're not biblical terms, you know, largely derived from 18th and 19th century abolitionist movement, which which was not a perfect movement by any stretch and didn't actually accomplish its goals in the ways that it, it had hoped to, you know, with regards to the ending of slavery. Uh, you know, there's a lot that could be critiqued about the about American abolitionism <clears throat> and certainly the fruit of it. So, uh, you know, I, again, I, I would go back to really the debate to me is about are we pursuing biblical justice? And so that that's what I would emphasize and seek to understand and and draw lines and distinctions in accordance with. So um, the, the, the incremental position that has been largely embraced in, in by, by pro-life leaders who would, would identify as incrementalist. As does, I'd say we'll start as, does there. as does Scott Klusendorf. Uh, Scott Kuzendorf, yep, identifies as incremental. Although, so I'd say there's a kind although, of a good. Although, although he does say, pardon me for interrupting. In his yeah, yeah, in his mind, he believes that every person who wants to bring an end to abortion is both an incrementalist and an abolitionist. And of course, you have abolitionists who vehemently disagree with that. But go on. I'm sorry for interrupting you. No, that's good. Yes, and that's a fair point. It's good to give his his perspective on his representation. Um, you know, and Scott and I just actually spoke yesterday and had a, a good a good dialogue. And so, um, the, the, I'll I'll start here, and, and this will give some I'll give some history of the pro life movement and the kind of incrementalism that I think is destructive to advancing the cause of justice. You know, why an abolitionist movement was needed and why. Uh, our organization and me personally uh, was very supportive, became an abolitionist, yoked myself with the abolitionist movement and became uh, an outspoken voice for that. <clears throat> that being said, I feel like I always need to give a qualifier because there's been a lot of bad in the abolitionist movement. There's a lot of things and people that I absolutely do not want to associate myself with. And a lot of people who are good, godly men and women have had a lot of bad experiences with abolitionists. And so I want to be very careful to, to, to qualify what I mean and what I don't mean when I say I'm an abolitionist. And uh, I don't want to be pigeonholed into sort of some of the, the jerky behavior of some of the people who've, who've been a poor display of Christian principle and character online, particularly. So, um, you know, I, I, I would I, I would say that I'm pro-life with qualifiers and I would say I'm an abolitionist with qualifiers. But really, I'm a Christian who's pursuing biblical justice for the preborn. And so the, the type of incrementalism that I think is bad is that, that, that we denounce and that has been been uh, disastrous, really, 
is what we have seen really over the last 40 years of the pro-life movement. And this is why there was a need for an abolitionist movement. Uh, you know, by and large, the, the political, we're really talking about here is a political strategy, right? So we're, we're kind of narrowing the focus, not to broader cultural engagement or apologetics. You know, um, Scott and I would be largely in agreement on apologetic methodology, although there was a time when he was more in the camp of guys who would would argue that we shouldn't mix religion into the debate, that that's just an extra confusing step. And our goal is to change people's minds about abortion, save lives. If we can have a religious discussion after that, that's great. But we shouldn't uh, lead with with religious claims or religious argument. We should keep it narrowly focused on on the baby and the humanity of the baby. And um, and so I've, I've always disagreed with that position. And uh, I would have disagreed with Scott years ago on that when he was more in that line of thinking. And I think he's come around more. In a, and, you know, from reading his more recent stuff, he seems to be much more explicitly identifying with the Christian worldview and the importance of of leading with the Christian worldview and Christian biblical ethics, grounding our arguments in Christian ethics. And I think that's imperative. I think that for, for a lot of the pro-life movement, there was this has been this wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. <laughs> because we've not been grounded theologically and have been ashamed of the gospel. Uh, and also, of course, uh, much of the movement's been driven by the Roman Catholic Church, and there's, there's a whole different set of problems for those of us that are Protestants. But, um, you know, there, there has been a reticence to ground our arguments theologically. And as a result, there, there's, there's been a lack, I would say, of moral clarity on how we articulate our positions. And so, you know, there's those that argue it's the baby's a baby from the time it uh, can feel pain, from the time that it has a heartbeat, um, when its limbs are fully developed, when it starts to look more like a baby. Um, You know, these are all sort of arguments. You know, of course, you have lots of pro-lifers who favor uh, and, and, and are willing to accept a wide variety of exceptions to abortion. And so none of that is biblical justice. For us, the argument is that this is a preborn, that this preborn human being is a human being from the moment of conception. Science affirms this to us. This is an argument we would look to science to inform our theology, where we say, you know, we, we have this amazing lens into the womb and into the early embryonic development of the child. And we understand this process of fertilization. That is when a unique individual human life comes into existence. That's a biological scientific fact. Every one of us, our life, our life spectrum, our life of growth and development began at fertilization. We were living human beings at that point, distinct from our mother. And so the argument would be then that as distinct living human beings, we are made in the image of God and we have value from God and thus Mothers and fathers have a duty, a parental obligation to love and to protect their children. And so everybody recognizes that outside of the womb, of course, if a mother abandons her one year old child while she wants to go out and party or, or do whatever, you know, we, we, we recognize that's uh, a massive moral violation. And she's guilty of parental neglect and could potentially be guilty of homicide uh, against her own child. And so we would simply extend that recognition of humanity into the womb back to the moment of fertilization. And 
we ground this in the biblical ethic of thou shalt not murder. And uh, our laws in Western civilization have been grounded historically in the Christian faith, and we should be unashamed of that. And it's uh, shameful to the pro-life movement that so many leaders in the pro-life movement are ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and ashamed of the biblical worldview and the biblical foundation that has given us uh, our legal system in the West and also given us the very impetus to fight the injustices that we've rectified from the past. Uh, the, the abolitionist movement, of course, for the most part, they were unashamedly Christian from Frederick Douglass to Harriet Tubman. You know, Harriet Tubman said, Jesus told me to go and rescue slaves. I must protect slaves because Jesus told me to do this and commanded me to do this. Uh, so they were unashamedly Christian. And even up to the modern civil rights movement, of course, Martin Luther King, despite his many flaws, uh, he was a reverend. You know, he was a, was, a, was a minister, a Christian. And so uh, they sang hymns and, and preached from the scripture during their marches for, for, for equality and civil rights. So, um, you know, it has been Christianity that has given us the impetus to, to write these words. Under our morality, the pro-life movement for 40 years, as I said, has been like the Israelites, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because we've not wanted to ground ourselves and submit to the law and word of God. And the, the, the result of that is that you can look at the, the 40 years plus, almost 50 years of living under Roe versus Wade, and you cannot point to in that time one significant public policy victory. I mean, imagine that. The pro-life movement is probably perhaps the largest voting block in American politics. I mean, look at the elections that pro-lifers win. You know, we were largely responsible for putting George W. Bush in office. We're largely responsible for putting Ronald Reagan in office, <laughs> giving uh, Republicans supermajorities in many states. During Donald Trump's first term in 2016, from 2016 to 2018, Republicans had had control of at least two, if not all three branches of 32 states, plus the federal government. Think about that. Pro-life Republicans were in control of 32 states and all three branches of the federal government. And can you name a policy victory from 2016 to 2018? There wasn't one. In fact, let's Our pick up. Let, let's, uh, let's pick up right where you left off there on the failure of the Republican pro-life establishment to accomplish much for the preservation of life for the unborn. We'll pick that up uh, right where you left off when we return from our first commercial break. If you have a question for Jason, submit it to chrisarnzen at gmail.com, C-H-R-I-S-A-R-N-Z-E-N at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, your city and state, and your country of residence, if you desire to remain anonymous, please only do so if this is involving a personal and private matter. And whenever we're discussing abortion, of course, it is likely to invoke very personal and private questions from listeners. But if it's a general question, give us your first name, at least city and state and country of residence. We'll be right back with Jason Storms. Don't go away. Armored Republic exists to equip free men with tools of liberty to defend God-given rights against the twin threats of tyranny and chaos. If you own a rifle to resist tyrants and criminals, then you should own body armor and a med kit for the same reasons. A rifle stops evil, body armor and a med kit keep you in the fight and preserve your life. 
Armored Republic is a body of free craftsmen united to create tools of liberty. We are honored to be your armorsmith of choice. Civilian ownership of body armor is about increasing decentralized power and by comparison, reducing the advantages of centralized power. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king applied to any mere man. We are armored republic. And in a republic, there is no king but Christ. Arm yourself with tools of liberty at armoredrepublic.com. I'm Phil Johnson, Executive Director of Grace to You with John MacArthur. I've been a frequent guest on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, and I highly recommend this show. But today I want to tell you about one of its advertisers, Rare Document Traders. Far and away, my favorite source for quality Charles Spurgeon memorabilia. Are you looking for that special, unique gift for your pastor or missionary friend or a loved one? Why not purchase a piece of church history that any believer would cherish? Rare Document Traders is your one-step source for Spurgeon's handwritten manuscripts and letters, as well as other rare books and collectible items from church history. In 15 years that they've been in business, they've earned a stellar reputation in the Reformed community with thousands of satisfied customers all around the world, including me. Visit raredoctraders.com today. That's raredoctraders.com. Don't forget to mention you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. That's raredoctraders.com. I'm Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church, a Christ-centered, gospel-driven church looking to spread the gospel in the southwest portion of Long Island, New York, and play our role in fulfilling the Great Commission, supporting and sending for the spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. We're delighted to be a part of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron Radio advertising family. At Lindbrook Baptist Church, we believe the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be the inspired word of God, inerrant in the original writings, complete as the revelation of God's will for salvation, and the supreme and final authority in all matters to which they speak. We believe in salvation by grace, through faith, in Jesus Christ. This salvation is based upon the sovereign grace of God, was purchased by Christ on the cross, and is received through faith alone, apart from any human merit, works, or ritual. Salvation in Christ also results in righteous living, good works, and appropriate respect and concern for all who bear God's image. If you live near Lynbrook, Long Island, or if you're just passing through on the Lord's Day, we'd love to have you come and join us in worship. For details, visit lynbrookbaptist.org. That's L-Y-N brookbaptist.org. This is Pastor Keith Allen of Lindbrook Baptist Church reminding you that by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. May the Lord bless you in the knowledge of himself. Hi, I'm Brian McLaughlin, president of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, 
and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio praise God for the generous monthly financial support of Royal Diadem Jewelers educated by and affiliated with the American Gem Society Jewelers of America and the Gemological Institute of America for the perfect custom designed engagement ring or any one of a kind piece of jewelry created exactly according to your imagination and specifications Royal Diadem Jewelers has you covered no matter where you live in the world Royal Diadem will walk you step by step through every stage of the process and even hold a high tech internet virtual visit using state of the art jewelry design technology to serve you They start by listening carefully to determine your needs. They're interested in making what you want, not what they want to sell you. From rough design to digital model, to photorealistic image, to wax prototype model, to the finished product, they're continually listening to your input, likes and dislikes, making any changes necessary along the way. This will ensure that your custom jewelry will turn out exactly as you dreamed and well beyond your expectations. Visit royaldiadem.com. That's royaldiadem.com today. Sterling Vanderwerker, owner of Royal Diadem Jewelers, his wife Bronnie, his business partner and manager Brian Wilson, and the entire family thank you all for listening to Praying for and supporting the work of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please, folks, do not forget that RoyalDiadem.com is still offering Iron Sharpens Iron Radio this mind-blowing opportunity. They are giving Iron Sharpens Iron Radio 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listener simply by that listener making the statement, I heard about RoyalDiadem.com on Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. That's all you need to do to guarantee that we will receive 100% of the profits from the sale of jewelry uh, that you are participating in. So please, if you have any intention to buy jewelry for yourself or for somebody that you love, keeping in mind that Valentine's Day is just around the corner, 
whether you are purchasing a piece of jewelry they already have in stock or if you are having a one-of-a-kind customized piece of jewelry created, please at least get the ball rolling as quickly as possible by going to royaldiadem.com today and starting the process and mentioning Iron Trump and Zion Radio. The reason for the urgency is we have no idea when royaldiadem.com is going to pull the plug on their offer to us where we receive 100% of the profits from any sale of jewelry to an Iron Trump and Zion Radio listener. So please go to royaldiadem.com today and at least get the ball rolling on your purchase for yourself or someone that you love of the finest in jewelry, either what they have in stock or customized according to your exact specifications. That's royaldiadem.com. Mention Iron Trump and Zion Radio. We're now back with my guest Jason Storms. And before the break, uh, Jason, you were uh, explaining how uh, no matter how long Republicans have controlled office uh, and appointed Supreme Court justices and, and on and on we could go about some of the things that are viewed as successes amongst Republicans, it hardly made a dent at all in bringing an end to the murder of unborn children if you could just pick up where you left off yeah absolutely chris and so what we were saying is you know i I likened the pro-life movement in the the over 40 years of of bearing the 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 roe era i likened it to the the israelites wandering in the wilderness for 40 years and uh, in disobedience right and so uh you look at the 40 plus years from 1973 on up to the present just a couple of years ago and not one single substantive political victory. And that is just astounding. All that energy, all that money, all that uh, mobilization and not one substantive victory. Now what the, what the pro-life movement would do, of course, is they would, they would claim victories. They, uh, they would, they would celebrate, you know, achievements and accomplishments, but these are really just pirate victories, right? They, they were really just uh, cowardly pandering to a political establishment committed to maintaining the status quo of abortion on demand. And so they would nibble around the edges of that, you know, pass a bill that says, you know, you have to wait 24 hours before you can kill your baby. Uh, you have to, you know, uh, in some cases, show an ultrasound image before you kill your baby which, again, it's completely up to the discretion of an abortion doctor and closed doors to do that. And so there's no enforcement mechanism of a lot of these laws to begin with. But, um, you know, these and so one of the reasons why all that pro-life energy, because, I mean, pro-lifers, as we said, put all kinds of people in office. They won all kinds of elections. You can, you know, pro-lifers can win elections, but that never translated into substantive policy victories. Why is that? Well, one big reason is because they believe the lie that they have to always obey the Supreme Court. And so when you accept the premise that you cannot defy or resist the United States Supreme Court, no matter how absurd or ridiculous their rulings are, then you have painted yourself into a corner. And so the uh, the Casey decision made abundantly clear that, that state legislatures and the federal government uh, can do nothing that it imposes an undue burden on a woman's right to choose. So if that's your premise, if that's what you're, you're, you're already accepting at the gate, then, then what political strategy is left to you? 
you're basically saying, I'm going to engage in a political strategy. I'm going to raise funds of pro-life people. I'm going to tell them we're committed to ending abortion, raise money, and tell them we're pro-life champions, while accepting at the very outset of the game that we will do nothing that imposes an undue burden on a woman's right to choose. So we, we, were, we already had lost at the beginning. And so pro-lifers just accepted that. And what a sham. And, you know, the, the, the reality is that uh, states and other branches of our federal government had every constitutional, lawful right and duty to resist the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is not infallible. The Constitution is the law of the land. They are to bow to. You know, I mean, just think about the craziness of this to, to, for, to, to even give women the right to vote. To give women the right to vote, they had to pass a constitutional amendment. But a right to an abortion, no constitutional amendment was needed. Seven black robe justices could just declare it. It's in the Constitution. In the penumbras, in the, you know, the, the wording that they used was just utterly absurd. And, you know, in 1973, when the Roe versus Wade decision came down, we should have had 20 or 30 states that said, no, absolutely not. Not here. Uh, But every single governor, every single pro-life Christian governor rolled over, ordered the executive branches of of a state, police chiefs, sheriffs on down, to legally protect the opening of abortion clinics. And for almost 50 years, that was the reality. And so we were beating that drum, defy Roe, defy Roe. And, you know, they say, we, Republican leaders, pro-life leaders would tell us over and over again, can't be done, can't be done. And yet we watched the homosexuals do it, right? We had the federal, we had a federal DOMA law, the Defense of Marriage Act of Bill Clinton, of all people, signed into law. And we had the state of Massachusetts just straight up defied it. They said, we're going to give out gay marriage licenses. We don't care if uh, that violates federal law. We don't agree with that federal law. We think it's unjust and violates the rights of homosexuals. And so we're going to stand in defiance of that law and give out homosexual marriage licenses. And they did. And 13 states followed. And so so at the time of the Obergefell decision, which was, of course, just an absurdity, the quote-unquote legalization of gay marriage, an absolute absurdity, 13 states had, had already defied the federal government and just said, we're going to give out marriage licenses. So the left can do it. The left, you know, the left has more conviction, more passion, and more commitment to its principles and courage than we do. And we wonder why we're getting our butt kicked in the culture. And so what a shame to the pro-life leaders who, who you know, will sell their birthright for a pot of porridge, who just for a seat at the table of the GOP leadership were willing to trample and sacrifice the blood of preborn children. And so the major pro-life political lobbying organizations in this country have a massive amount of blood on their hands. And they have been traitors, treacherous to both Christ and to these little ones they claim to be protecting and defending as they have taken the bribe money of uh, big Republican donors and special interest groups to be quiet and to go along, to get along and to do the bare minimum and then to go to their base and to go to pro-life rank and file people and tell them we're fighting hard for preborn children. 
We need your money. We need your support. And make sure you go out and vote for George Bush. Make sure you go out and vote for guys like Mitch McConnell. He's pro-life. And so this has been a sham. It's been a disaster. It's been evil. And so in light of this, you know, is, is what gave rise to the abolitionist movement. Um, and uh, guys down in Norman, Oklahoma, some young men down there help, and women to help launch this movement. And we saw what they were doing, you know, 10 years ago and said, yeah, these guys are saying the same things we've been saying. And we like this. This, this is solid, solid rhetoric that we were hearing, solid principles. And so we jumped on board with it and uh, we began to, to help spread the ideas and the message. And uh, there was a commitment as the abolitionist movement grew, you know, the, 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 the moniker of defy Roe, ignore Roe was spreading. Pressure was being put on state governments. State governments were being exposed for their weakness, for their hypocrisy, for their cowardice. And, uh, you know, what ended up happening in many states, of course, is that they end up passing to silence and appease us. They passed these trigger bills. They said, well, we're not going to defy Roe, but we got to do something because we're being exposed. And so we'll pass a trigger law. That's a law that bans abortion once Roe is overturned. And a bunch of states passed that, probably their leadership thinking Roe is not going to be overturned in their lifetime, <laughs> you know. And uh, praise God for the Dobbs decision. That Roe finally felt, <clears throat> excuse me, and it took, you know, probably not a very pro-life guy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he is. Um, Donald Trump, of all people, who amazingly put three Supreme Court justices on, on the bench in four years, and uh, Roe fell. Now, Dobbs, of course, was flawed in many ways. They, they could have. They could have done with, which I would say they should have done. They had a duty to do is they could have recognized the preborn child as a federally protected human person, just as all the rest of us. They could have acknowledged that, no, we we have constitutional protections under the Fifth and Fourteen Amendments, and uh, preborn children are, are, are human persons, and they deserve to be protected. And they could have established federal protection and federal rights and a federal recognition of the humanity of preborn children. They failed to do that, and that's unfortunate. Um, but nonetheless, there is much good that came from Dobbs and the repentance of Roe and the fall of Roe has been good. And now it has eliminated this huge barrier that all these Republican pro-life leaders were hiding behind. And now, of course, what we're seeing and a lot of good pro-life guys, a lot of guys that have been in the fight that weren't quite where we were at. They didn't back us on defying Roe. They didn't support that. They thought it was a little too radical, too extreme. Uh, you know, but 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 good guys, nonetheless, are coming to us and saying, you know, Jason, the pro-life movement is a lot weaker than I thought. A lot of these pro-life legislators are far weaker than I thought. Roe is out of the way and they're still offering compromised, weak half measures. You know, what, what do we do? How do we fight this? How do we how do we how do we advance the ball? How do we infuse some some testicular fortitude into the pro-life movement. And, uh, and that's what's needed uh, is a revitalization of principle and courage. And I would say that that ultimately comes from being properly grounded in Christ and uh, dependent upon the spirit of God and allowing the spirit of God to work in and through us in not just our church work, 
but in our political engagement and our advocacy for public policy and justice, specifically justice for these preborn children. So uh, that, that that brings us to where we are now with, uh, with sort of the abolitionist movement that has been spreading and been changing hearts and minds. And despite its flaws and despite uh, some of the problems, as there has been a several major blowouts within the abolitionist movement, lots of infighting within the abolitionist movement, lots of biting and devouring and uh, all sorts of things that have been unfortunate. Um, but despite that, God continues to bless the movement and good godly leaders have been raised up who, you know, um, stand on principle and uh, and can be persuasive and, uh, you know, who know how to articulate themselves well and uh, the fruit of the spirit flow out of their lives and they speak with the authority of the word of God and uh, people are listening and people are seeing the need for strong leadership principle and a confronting of the political establishment. And so that's, uh, that's what we're doing. And it seems so there's, there's a lot there. Well, it seems to be one of the crucial areas of disagreement between those. And I know you hate the terms, but they are the reality of our vocabulary uh, between the incrementalists and the abolitionists involves the prosecution of women in addition to the abortionists, the, the doctors themselves, and they don't even deserve to have the title of doctor or physician, in my opinion. But Correct. <laughs> uh, the, the fact that the incrementalists, in varying degrees, most it seems, want no threat of persecution to ever be held over the heads of the women who are murdering their children. Uh, they only want the physicians uh, prosecuted and imprisoned and so on, whereas the abolitionists are saying, you're treating this as if it's not murder. Of course we need to have the women who are guilty of murdering their own children prosecuted just like we would expect a woman who gives birth and throws her baby in a dumpster allowing it to die of natural causes and the elements in a in a trash can uh or an angry mother even one day having an argument with her teenage son and shooting him in the head uh we would expect a, a murder to be treated like a murder and the the mother if she is a murderer needs to be prosecuted. So this seems to be a key element of the divide, is it not? Oh, yes, absolutely. That's been a, a major dividing line and continues to be. <clears throat> but, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic and I'm excited that we're seeing the younger generation in particular, who are a little more principled of pro-life leaders coming around on this issue. Uh, Lila Rose came out last year and said very forcefully that she believes that mothers have to be held accountable. There's got to be some accountability there. They have to be held liable under the law. And that was very encouraging for, you know, it's the size of her organization, live action. To say that <clears throat> definitely, I'm sure, brought a lot of blowback. Abby Johnson, another, you know, widely recognized pro-life leader, has come out recently and said the same thing, speaking about her past two abortions. She said, the baby was the victim. I was not the victim. Right. I was the murderer. Right. I was the perpetrator. 
I need, I, and I needed to hear that because I needed God's forgiveness. And how could I repent and find the, the healing and the mercy of God if I'm being told I'm a victim and that I didn't do anything wrong? What was the uh, autobiographical? Uh, so, what was the autobiographical film that you created? The name? It, uh, it's called Unplanned. Right, that's what I thought. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was power, powerful, powerful, powerful film. Powerful yeah, film. yes, and it was a it was a pleasant shock for many in the abolitionist movement to hear her recant her former views against the prosecution of mothers murdering their children. Yeah, absolutely, and she's taken some strong stance. She even uh, you know two years ago, while before Dobbs, she uh, you know it was in the middle of the 2020, 2020 crisis. You know, she lives in Texas and she made a video. She actually had an Operation Save America sign in the background. And she said, hey, these, some of these crazy people have been saying we need to defy the government, the federal government over preborn children. And she's like, I thought that was kind of crazy. But she's like, now that the COVID stuff is going on and lockdowns and mandatory vaccines, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at my governor, Abbott. I'm looking at Governor DeSantis and they're defying the federal government over this. They're telling the, the Biden administration, no. And I'm applauding them. And, it's, and so I had the realization, if I'm applauding them and I'm excited and I'm encouraged that they're defying the federal government over masks and vaccines and lockdowns, well, how much more should we be defying the federal government then over the killing of preborn children? And so that was powerful. And so that was encouraging for her to come around and begin to advocate for that. So, uh, you know, she's had quite a transformation, I think, in the last several years and uh, by the grace of God. And I, I know there are abolitionists that have been meeting with her and discussing these things with her and have been helping to plant these seeds and move her along. So, you know, I give her credit. I was I was a bit of a critic of Abby Johnson for quite a while. And it's encouraging to see that she uh, seems to be sensitive to the spirit of God and to correction and seems to have some integrity that she is following the logic and the force of these arguments to their conclusions, even if those conclusions uh, are unpopular. In fact, we've got, so, we, we've, so got to go, we've got to go to our midway break, folks. We'll be right back after these messages. Puritan Reformed is a Bible-believing, kingdom-building, devil-fighting church. We're devoted to upholding the apostolic doctrine and practice preserved in Scripture alone. Puritan Reformed teaches men to rule and lead as image-bearing prophets, priests, and kings. We teach families to worship together as families. Puritan is committed to teaching the whole counsel of God so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of God as the waters cover the sea. We sing the Psalms, teach the law, proclaim the gospel, make disciples, maintain discipline, and exalt Christ. This is Pastor David Reese of Puritan Reformed in Phoenix, Arizona. Join us in the glorious cause of advancing Christ's crown and covenant over the kings of the earth. Puritan Reformed Church. Believe. Build. Fight. PuritanPHX.com Sarnson here, host of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I strongly recommend a church I've been recommending as far back as the 1980s, Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey, pastored by Alan Dunn. 
Grace Covenant Baptist Church believes it's God's prerogative to determine how he shall be worshipped and how he shall be represented in the world. They believe churches need to turn to the Bible to discover what to include in worship and how to worship God in spirit and truth. They endeavor to maintain a God-centered focus and to protect worship from the intrusion of carnal entertainments and distractions. Reading, preaching, and hearing the Word of God, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, baptism, and communion are the scriptural elements of their corporate worship performed with faith, joy, and sobriety. Discover more about Grace Covenant Baptist Church in Flemington, New Jersey at gcbc-nj.org. That's gcbc-nj.org. Or call them at 908-996-7654. That's 908-996-7654. Tell Pastor Dunn you heard about Grace Covenant Baptist Church on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President Emeritus and Professor of Systematic and Applied Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. Every Christian who's serious about the Reformed faith and the Westminster Standards should have and use the eight-volume commentary on the theology and ethics of the Westminster Larger Catechism titled Authentic Christianity by Dr. Joseph Moorcraft. It is much more than an exposition of the Larger Catechism, it is a thoroughly researched work that utilizes biblical exegesis as well as historical and systematic theology. Dr. Moorcraft is pastor of Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, and I urge everyone looking for a biblically faithful church in that area to visit that fine congregation. For details on the eight-volume commentary, go to westminstercommentary.com, westminstercommentary.com, for details on Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, visit heritagepresbyterianchurch.com, heritagepresbyterianchurch.com. Please tell Dr. Moorcraft and the saints at Heritage Presbyterian Church of Cumming, Georgia, that Dr. Joseph Piper of Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary sent you. Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005. The publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Pastor Nate Pickowitz of Harvest Bible Church in Gilmanton Ironworks, New Hampshire, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Rich Jensen of Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Sule Prince of Oakwood Wesleyan Church in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor John Sampson of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Chuck Volo of New Life Community Church in Kingsville, Maryland, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Steve Herford of Eastport Baptist Church in Jacksonville, Florida, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. 
I'm Pastor Roy Owens Jr. of the Church at Friendship in Hockley, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. This is Pastor Bill Sasso, Grace Church at Franklin, here in the beautiful state of Tennessee. Our congregation is one of a growing number of churches who love and support Iron Sharpens Iron Radio financially. Grace Church at Franklin is an independent, autonomous body of believers which strives to clearly declare the whole counsel of God as revealed in Scripture through the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, the end for which we strive is the glory of God. If you live near Franklin, Tennessee, and Franklin is just south of Nashville, maybe 10 minutes, or you are visiting this area, or you have friends and loved ones nearby, we hope you will join us some Lord's Day in worshiping our God and Savior. Please feel free to contact me if you have more questions about Grace Church at Franklin. Our website is gracechurchatfranklin.org. That's gracechurchatfranklin.org. This is Pastor Bill Sasser wishing you all the richest blessings of our sovereign Lord, God, Savior, and King Jesus Christ today and always. Hello, my name is Anthony Uvino, and I'm one of the pastors at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York, and also the host of the ReformRookie.com website. I want you to know that if you enjoy listening to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show like I do, you can now find it on the Apple's iTunes app by typing Iron Sharpens Iron Radio in the search bar. You no longer have to worry about missing a show or a special guest because you're in your car or still at work. Just subscribe on the iTunes app and listen to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio show at any time, day or night. Please be sure to also give it a good review and pass it along to anyone who would benefit from the teaching and the many solidly reformed guests that Chris Arnzen has on the show. Truth is so hard to come by these days, so don't waste your time with fluff or fake news. Subscribe to the Iron Sharpens Iron radio podcast right now. And while you're at it, you can also sign up for the ReformRookie.com podcast and visit our website and the YouTube page. We are dedicated to teaching Christian theology from a Reformed Baptist perspective to beginners in the faith as well as seasoned believers. From Keech's Catechism and the Doctrines of Grace to the Olivet Discourse and the Book of Leviticus, the Reform Rookie Podcast and YouTube channel is sure to have something to offer everyone seeking biblical truth. And finally, if you're looking to worship in a Reformed church that holds to the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith, please join us at Hope Reform Baptist Church in Quorum, New York. Again, I'm Pastor Anthony Avenio, and thanks for listening. day at thousands of community centers, high schools, middle schools, juvenile institutions, coffee shops, and local hangouts, Long Island Youth for Christ, staff and volunteers meet with young people who need Jesus. We are rural and urban, and we are always about the message of Jesus. 
Our mission is to have a noticeable spiritual impact on Long Island, New York by engaging young people in the lifelong journey of following Christ. Long Island Youth for Christ has been a stalwart bedrock ministry since 1959. We have a world-class staff and a proven track record of bringing consistent love and encouragement to youths in need all over the country and around the world. Help honor our history by becoming a part of our future. Volunteer, donate, pray, or all of the above. For details, call Long Island Youth for Christ at 631-385-8333. That's 631-385-8333. Or visit liyfc.org. That's liyfc.org. If you love Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, one of the best ways you can help keep the show on the air is by supporting our advertisers. One such faithful advertiser who really believes in what Chris Arnzen is doing is Daniel P. Patafuco, serious injury lawyer and Christian apologist. Dan is the president and founder of the Historical Bible Society. Their mission to foster belief in the credibility of Scripture as the written Word of God. They go to various churches, schools, and institutions to publicly display a rare collection of biblical texts, along with a fascinating presentation by Mr. Butterfuco demonstrating the reliability of Scripture. To advance the cause of the Gospel, they created a beautiful, perfect facsimile of the genealogy of Jesus Christ from the original engravings contained in a first edition 1611 King James Bible. This 17th century hand-engraved chart shows the family tree of Jesus Christ going back to Adam and Eve. This book is complete with gorgeous full-size illustrations of Noah's Ark and the Tower of Babel and an explanation of why the genealogy of Jesus is so important for his claims to the throne of the universe. Originals of this work are in museums and nobody has ever made it accessible to the public in a large book form before. You can have your own copy of this 44-page genealogy book for a donation of $35 or more. Visit historicalbiblesociety.org. That's historicalbiblesociety.org. Thanks for helping to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, Give yourself unto reading. The man who never reads will never be read. He who never quotes will never be quoted. He who will not use the thoughts of other men's brains proves that he has no brains of his own. You need to read. Solid Ground Christian Books is a publisher and book distributor who takes these words of the Prince of Preachers to heart. The mission of Solid Ground Christian Books is to bring back treasures of the past to minister to Christians in the present and future, and to publish new titles that address burning issues in the church and the world. Since its beginning in 2001, Solid Ground has been committed to publish God-centered, Christ-exalting books for all ages. We invite you to go treasure hunting at solid-ground-books.com. That's solid-ground-books.com and see what priceless literary gems from the past or present you can unearth from Solid Ground. 
Solid Ground Christian Books is honored to be a weekly sponsor of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. And please do not forget, folks, that solid-ground-books.com is experiencing a serious crisis in book sales so that I'm really hoping and praying that many in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listening audience will come to the rescue by going to solid-ground-books.com today and making as large a purchase of books as you possibly can. And, of course, mentioning that you heard about them from Chris Arnzen of Iron Trap and Zion Radio. Solid-Grand-Books.com is a vital, a primary, a premier sponsor of this show, and we really rely upon their generosity financially to exist. So we're asking you, please, go to Solid-Grand-Books.com frequently, purchase generously, and always mention Chris Arnzen of Iron Trip and Zion Radio. And keep in mind, you're not only going to be doing solid-ground-books.com a favor by purchasing books from them, and you're not only going to be doing Iron Trip and Zion Radio a favor by keeping one of our most important advertisers happy, you're going to be doing yourself and anyone for whom you are purchasing books from solid-ground-books.com an enormous favor of incalculable value because they bring back into print lost treasures that have been hidden from the public eye for centuries at many times, uh, going back as far uh, back in time as the 16th century Protestant Reformation, and extending forward to our current day, including new books brought uh, into print for the very first time, including by such modern-day authors as Dr. James R. White of Alpha and Omega Ministries. You can never go wrong purchasing a book from solid-ground-books.com. So please, if you've never purchased books from them before, go to solid-ground-books.com today and make your very first purchase today. And if you already are a regular customer at solid-ground-books.com, go to that website today and make your very largest purchase ever if you can afford to do so. And please don't forget, mention Iron Trip and Zion Radio. Before I return to Jason Storms and our discussion on the divide uh, in the the cause to rescue children from infanticide in this world uh, between those that have been come that have become known as incrementalists and those that have become known as abolitionists. Before we return to that conversation, I have some very important announcements to make. If you really love this show, folks, you look forward to it every day. You look forward to hearing guests that on some occasion are never heard anywhere else, and even topics on some occasion are never heard anywhere else. You you look forward to receiving free books when you submit questions during interviews with authors. Uh, Well, please, folks, if you really love the show and you want us to stick around, go to irontrepensionradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. You can donate instantly with a debit or credit card in that fashion. And if you prefer snail mail, uh, sending in a physical check, a check to a physical address the old-fashioned way at your local post office, there will also be a physical address that appears on your screen when you click support at irontrepensionradio.com, where you can mail your checks made payable to Iron Radio. If you want to advertise with us, whether it's your church, parachurch ministry, your business, your private practice like a law firm or a medical firm, or maybe it's just a special event. Whatever it is you want to advertise, as long as it's compatible with what I believe, I would love to help you launch an ad campaign as quickly as possible because we're just as much in urgent need of your advertising dollars as we are in your donations. 
So send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put advertising in the subject line. And always remember, folks, I never want Iron Sharpens Iron Radio listeners to cut into the finances that you have set aside to give to your own local church where you're a member on the Lord's Day in order to bless us with a financial gift. Please never do that. And also, if you're really struggling to survive, wait until you are back on your feet and more financially stable before you send us a financial gift. The Bible's very clear. We are commanded to use the money with which he has blessed us, which is still his money. We're primarily to use that to provide for our church and our family. Providing for Iron Trump and Zion Radio is obviously not a command of God. But if you love the show, you don't want it to disappear, and you do have extra money for benevolent, recreational, and trivial purposes, please share some of that money with us if you really want us to continue. Go to irontrepensionradio.com, click support, then click, click to donate now. And last but not least, if you're not a member of a biblically faithful, Christ-honoring, doctrinally sound, theologically solid church like Mercy Seat Christian Church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I have extensive lists of biblically faithful churches spanning the entire globe, and I've helped many people all over the planet Earth find churches, sometimes even within just a couple of minutes from where they live. If you are without a biblically sound church home, that may be you too. And so send in an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com and put, I need a church in the subject line. That's also the email address where you can submit a question to Jason Storms. It's chrisarnson at gmail.com. Give us your first name at least, city and state, and country of residence. And only remain anonymous if your question involves a personal and private matter. And uh, Jason, uh, before the break, you were giving accolades to Abby Johnson for her radical switch in ideology in regard to the pro-life movement. She has become an abolitionist. Do you want to pick up on anything that you failed to say before we went to the break? Uh, No, I think that was uh, that was sufficient. You know, I think that Abby and others, I think we're I think we're going to continue to see prominent leaders in the pro-life movement make that transition. You know, um, I think you're going to see, yeah, some major players really begin to think this through and be confronted with the force of logic and reason. And uh, certainly the the undeniable history of uh, really pathetic results from the pro-life leadership. And I think, you know, people that are principled right now who are fighters and who see the, 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 escalating almost exponentially wickedness in in our culture the the just outright tyranny of the federal government you know people want to see fighters who are going to stand up and uh, fight that and they recognize that the the republican party has its own swamp dwelling political establishment that does not care about the american people the constitution or uh or about god and uh and they need to be stood up to and uh, people are looking for that in, 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 in all spheres. And you know, I think people are starting to connect the dots that, yeah, the pro-life movement is no exception to that, where there is a political establishment, a pro-life establishment that is a part of that swamp and that is actually undermining efforts towards real justice. <clears throat> and in uh, one of those arguments, of course, is punishments for mothers. So, you know, I was just, I was just on a podcast yesterday with a guy named Bryce Eddy, Really cool guy. He's on the board of Turning Point USA. Is he cooler yeah, so than is, is he is he cooler than me? 
<laughs> uh, well, he's he's like a jujitsu tactical, you know. All right, he's more hybrid. dangerous than me, you know, but is he cooler? Than he's me? more dangerous. He's more dangerous than you, but I don't think he's cool than you. He doesn't have the cool northeastern, you know, kind of New Yorker accent that you've got. You know, that, <laughs> and that, that, you get a cup of coffee, you know that that's that gives you that, bonus points. That's but, the uh, only thing you could dig up about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've had many more years of faithfulness. So I'll give you that. Okay. So you know you have, you have the uh, the seasoned the seasoned wisdom of an elder. So that's uh, certainly very commendable. If you listen carefully, you can and, uh, hear my own elders laughing. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, that's funny. So, uh, but, you know, it's interesting is, is uh, actually my son just sent me a clip of Charlie Kirk uh, on, a, on, a, on a popular kind of secular podcast. And, you know, he, he was giving some very good pro-life apologetics and defending the, the preborn children and doing a pretty good job. And, and then that issue came up of, of punishment for moms. And, you know, he just pulled the classic card. They're just victims. They don't know what they're doing. And all these women, all these pro-choice women that were on there were like, what do you mean we're victims? You don't think we know what we're doing? You don't. You think we're incompetent? You think we're being just pressured into this? That's absurd. And you're claiming that abortion is murder and yet you wouldn't prosecute a mother? Are you kidding me? So... Um, you know, the, they saw the the the, the uh, inconsistency in that position. Yes, and Je- Jeff Durbin. Charlie... Jeff Durbin has told me, and for those of you who don't know who Jeff Durbin is, one of the pastors at Apologia Church in Mesa, Arizona, who is on the front yep. line of seeking to bring an end to infanticide in the United States, and who is routinely at abortion clinics and also. Uh, in, intricately involved in the political system and trying to uh, bring an end to abortion. He has told me, and this was a surprise when he when he first told me this, I don't know how many years ago it was, it wasn't that long ago, maybe three or four years ago, he told me that every single woman that he encounters at an abortion clinic knows she is going into the doors of that building to murder her child. Every one of them, he said. Yep. Yeah, no, Jeff's 100% right. And he's got lots of years of experience to to validate that claim. And, you know, of course, he's been absolutely at the forefront of engaging this issue culturally. Apologia and abortion now have done phenomenal work, put some amazing documentaries together and just done some excellent work articulating this. And I've been privileged to be with him in quite a few states for some of that work. And, uh, you know, the, the, the amazing thing is, like I said, the, the force of logic and reason is on our side overwhelmingly. It's just a matter of being able to have the conversations with people. There's a knee-jerk reaction that you typically get with a lot of people because they've been sort of conditioned to think this way and it's been repeated so many times. Um, but when you get, if, if you get the opportunity, and this is why it's important that we're not jerks and we don't just bash people and just ridicule people online and just, you know, that kind of thing, but that we actually, you know, labor patiently and long suffering with our brothers who don't understand these, these issues, uh, but who, who are genuine Christian people, you know, th- there, there is an opportunity to really persuade a lot of people on this because the force of logic and reason is on our side. And a lot of people just haven't heard the arguments. They've just not heard these things really articulated. And so that's the season we're in right now where the culture is being seeded with these arguments and people are starting to say, yeah, so, for example, what I was able to share on that podcast yesterday, and and uh, the gentleman that I was with, you know, he's a really solid guy, and uh, but you know, he believes that, uh, that that the moms are victims. Now, we didn't get a chance to really debate it because we, we kind of ran through a few other topics 
but I, I put the arguments out there and I could see he was just chewing on it and he kind of had a knee-jerk response against it, but he was just chewing on my arguments. But one of the, you know, one of the things I shared with him is that, you know, in the state of Texas, you have groups like, you know, st- uh, Students for Life claiming, putting memes out that uh, Texas is an abortion-free state. An abortion-free state? Charlie Kirk said on that uh, radio show, he said that uh, uh, the abortion rate in Texas has gone down 90%. That's what he told these ladies. Texas, the abortion rate's gone down 90%. Uh, well, that's just factually false. Uh, Texas is not abortion-free, and the abortion rate has not gone down 90%. Uh, Bradley Pierce, you know, excellent attorney, runs the Foundation to Abolish Abortion and Abolish Abortion Texas, has done some excellent work, and his guys on this just released a study on this. So based upon all the data we have, you know, Texas was 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 doing about probably 55,000 abortions a year annually over the last few years prior to Dobbs. 55,000 in our big pro-life state of Texas. Well, now that we are one year, a year and a half after Dobbs, what they're looking at is that the, the, the abortion rates probably dropped to around 48,000 or so, 49,000. So there's been a decline of about six to eight thousand babies, approximately. They don't, you know, numbers. There's some some variations in some of the data, <clears throat> but so you know that's that's not a certainly not a ninety percent drop, and that certainly is not an abortion-free state. So thirty thousand of those abortions are women who've gone out of state. They were Texas residents, and they left the state to get an abortion in another state. Now that's hard to stop. We could pass a bill of equal protection in Texas. And, you know, that's still going to be a difficult thing to stop. Um, you know, there are laws and certainly we can enforce laws. You can't go across state lines and go murder somebody in a different state and come back to our state. Right. So there's things that can be done, but that's a, a more difficult fight. And it's going to you know, be harder to prove and that sort of thing in a court of law. So uh, but but what you did have is 19,000 self-managed at home abortions, Texas residents, Texas women with legal immunity, ordering abortion pills delivered right to their home, sitting right in their home in Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, take their pills, murder their baby with legal immunity, 19,000 little babies killed with legal immunity just in Texas under the auspices of an abortion ban, under the auspices of an abortion-free state. So the pro-life leaders that are saying this are 100% wrong, and they need to be called out for it. They need to be challenged on this because it's just flat wrong. No, we need to do it graciously. We need to present the data, present the arguments, and, and the argument leads you to the conclusion, the state of Texas, if you're pro-life, you're pro-life leaders, and you want to provide legal protection for preborn children, then you must have accountability legally for those mothers. One, preborn children deserve it. Preborn children deserve to be treated as a born child. We don't grant legal immunity for moms to kill born kids. We shouldn't be doing it for preborn kids. One, a mom kills her one-year-old, she's going to jail. There are extenuating circumstances, of course. The mom could be could have a severe mental illness may have been drugged up. There's a a variety of factors that prosecutors can certainly grant leniency. And the same would be the case in an abortion case. If a woman 
kills her baby and she was genuinely coerced or profoundly misled by authority figures in her life to believe that it's not really a human being. All these variables can be taken into consideration in a trial. And prosecutors can certainly grant leniency, but you don't write a wholesale exemption into your laws. The laws should protect everyone equally. And preborn children should be given the same protection and same defense as a born child. And our laws should express that. And that really is what it means to be pro-life, I would argue. If we're going to say you're 100% pro-life, your principled pro-life convictions should lead you to the conclusion that every human being from the moment of fertilization deserves the same protection, same defense as a born child. And that's all we're saying. You know, that's all we're saying. Amen. And I believe the force, the force of reason and conscience and moral law is on our side. It's just a matter of us presenting these arguments strongly, not cowering and shying away from them, not trying to water them down or pander to the middle or pander to the pro aborts and throw them bones and make exceptions, but simply passionately, forcefully, with conviction and grace, articulate our principles. And it, I think it will be persuasive and we can win in many of these states. I mean, this is low-hanging fruit. Alabama, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Texas, thousands of babies being murdered in these extremely pro-life states. That's the low-hanging fruit. We should get bills of equal protection passed in Texas, in Alabama, in Mississippi, in Louisiana, in Arkansas this year. That should be a legislative priority for every pro-life person, every principled, 100% pro-life person, if you tell me you're pro-life and you, you really mean it, then come and support our bills of equal protection in all those states. Close these loopholes of immunity for moms, give equal protection to pre-born children, and you will literally save tens of thousands of babies' lives this year. Amen. And, and so that needs to be a legislative priority. Amen. And we have a, a listener question for you who happens to be, this listener happens to be a very dear friend of mine who almost became my pastor, uh, but he, in God's mercy, dodged a bullet because I wound, <laughs> I wound up uh, moving off of Long Island where uh, Pastor Josh Fryman formerly lived and pastored. Uh, I moved off of Long Island to Pennsylvania, so it never came to be where Josh was my pastor, but he is a dear friend whom, from whom I have benefited benefited greatly a dear brother in christ who is pastor of harvest baptist church in laramore north dakota now and has been for <clears throat> several years um in fact i want to announce that uh, josh will soon be launching his own radio program awake to righteousness uh, which will be uh, heard in north dakota 7 a.m to 7 30 a.m on sundays and that will be heard on Knox Radio, 1310 a.m. and 103.3 and 107.9 FM. Uh, that's Awake to Righteousness, a radio ministry of Harvest Baptist Church in Laramore, North Dakota. And uh, Josh has a question that I believe is a very good question. Wouldn't expect anything less from Josh. And uh, let's see here. Uh, what are your guests' thoughts on including the need or responsibility to defend the elderly alongside the unborn? Oh, interesting. You know, I, mean, I would say that that's, in one sense, a different 
a different fight, a different uh, issue, though certainly falls under the biblical category of justice and love for neighbor and civic duty. And so certainly the church should be concerned and have an opinion on the subject, not an opinion, but a, a biblically derived position that we are willing to stand and defend in the public square. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that is important because uh, many of the same forces that have thrust abortion upon the population are, are also thrusting euthanasia upon the population. And uh, there's a lot that could be said about the corruption, deep corruption, anti-biblical and thus anti-human worldview of uh, much of the pharmaceutical world and uh, much of the medical world where, you know, human beings are sort of guinea pigs or they're just a means to profit. And uh, the pride and arrogance and uh, the lack of respect for human life and God's created order has led to, uh, you know, a culture of gross sickness, disease, obesity that uh, is perpetually misdiagnosed, you know, rather than telling somebody to go lose some weight, go for a jog, start exercising regularly, start cutting, quit eating crap and start eating good food that God designed and, uh, and start going to church and worshiping the Lord and getting better mental health and alleviating stress and worry and fear, uh, trust in the Lord and work out and take care of your body that is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You know, we're telling people take this pill. Lifestyle changes don't matter. You can be a complete moral degenerate. That's okay. Just take this pill <laughs> as if there's no no connection. So old people are sick. They're dying. They're not being treated well in hospitals. We have an aging population that is, uh, you know, seen by many to be just a burden. A lot, of, uh, a, lot of, a lot of kids can't wait for their parents to die off so they can collect their inheritance, you know, and euthanize them. So th- 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 this, is a, this is a horrible cultural reality of... Uh, of uh, you know, the post-Christian world that uh, that met large swaths of, of the population are, are now embracing. So, yeah, this is something that's important if you're pro-life and you value all human life and you value value the teaching of Scripture. Then, yeah, we, we ought to be speaking about pastors ought to be speaking about it. And we need to be uh, be examining what's happening uh, to the elderly in our culture. And by the way, I want to plug uh, Josh Fryman's church website here, LarimoreHBC.org. That's L-A-R-I-M-O-R-E-H-B-C.org. And that's the website for Harvest Baptist Church in Larimore, North Dakota. Love you, brother, and hope to see you soon. And I don't want to get on a sidetrack here, but it has often grieved me that the church has succumbed to such a great degree to the worship of youth that uh, the opinions of the elderly don't matter at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. When churches are designing their liturgy, their call to worship, their music, especially their music, they don't care. Not even for a second do they care about how the elderly amongst them are going to react to things that they may be offended by. Now, I know that there is a difference between planting a fresh church, uh, a new church, uh, but when you have already a church in existence where there are elderly members, it, it grieves me that, and I can't even explain in detail in the English language, I'm incapable of conveying how grieved I am 
that that many pastors and leaders, and especially perhaps quote quote worship leaders, they could not care less about what the elderly think about anything they're doing. They're they're supposed to just move aside. You're going to be in heaven soon anyway, so just keep your mouth shut. And it just bothers me. But anyway, um, we hundred percent right. Uh, Cindy in Findlay, Ohio, says, how is the fight against abortifacients being fought? That's a tough one. And so, you know, I, uh, I we've been in, we've been fighting this for a long time. I can remember going to a Promise Keepers event in Baltimore 23 years ago and passing out uh, literature there, thousands of it, with a good friend of mine, Denny Green who he and his family, Life and Liberty Ministries, was just convicted in that face trial in Nashville. And, uh, you know, we were exposing, uh, I was in my early 20s before I was even married, uh, we were exposing abortifacient birth control to evangelical Christians at a Promise Keepers rally. <clears throat> and, you know, it was not received very well. Uh, one way to have a lot of people who are pro-life get really quiet is when you start talking about abortifacient birth control. So, you know, I think there's an, it's a huge educational battle Certainly our legislative uh, policies, you know, a bill of equal protection that we advocate, which just just prescribes, you know, just it just puts preborn children, recognizes that they're human beings and uh, and puts abortion under homicide statutes. Um, you know, that would outlaw effectively, implicitly. Uh, abortifacient birth control, um, it, it would force birth control manufacturers to, to, to redesign their, their birth control. Um, and uh, this is something certainly that has been a, a major reason why we've lost some of these statewide ballot initiatives. Uh, certainly uh, the personhood amendment that we pushed in Mississippi back in 2011 was uh, winning 70% in the polls at that time and lost, ended up losing badly. Over 60% voted against it because the last two weeks, Planned Parenthood just bombarded the state with information about birth control would be criminal. Uh, you take birth control, you could be prosecuted um, and, and IVF as well. So, you know, this is, this is an important fight. Now, one of the difficulties, of course, you know, is recognizing. And, you know, we got we got to be honest about this and our rhetoric and careful in our rhetoric. A woman who's taking a abortifacient birth control is not necessarily a murderer. And there are people who, who like to say that, and, and I think that, that A, is just factually false, and, and B, you know, of course, that's going to shut down a lot of discussion and necessary conversation because people are going to have a knee-jerk reaction, and we got to be wise right now. We approach the conversation and be able to present the facts and information to people, but the vast majority of women that are taking abortifacient birth control are not attempting to kill their child, right? So first-degree homicide takes into account motive and intention. It is a, you know, you were intending to kill the person. So um, a lot of people are taking birth control. Don't even know that, that an, it's an abortifacient, that it can potentially kill an embryo. Um, and certainly they're taking it. The primary motive for taking it is to prevent getting pregnant, not to kill a baby. So motive is a factor there, would be a factor, you know, certainly in law and in prosecution and uh in, in legislative uh, endeavors there. So, um, but I do, I do think 100% the church needs to be speaking about abortifacient birth, birth control 
and teaching, you know, really what this means is the church needs to be teaching, pastors need to be teaching about the early embryonic stages of development. I mean, this should be a part of Sunday morning sermons. If you're going through the Psalms, fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, uh, if you're going through, you know, uh, any passages uh, that 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 speak of the preborn child, and uh, then then it's a fitting place and good exegesis for a Bible teacher to to say, let's look at embryonic development. Let's look at what science has shown us about the intricacy and the beauty and the miracle that we can see God's handiwork and the beauty of how these little cells uh, miraculously come together and grow and multiply and inform into this beautiful, precious uh, human being. So it's just incredible, the process. And uh, we need to be teaching uh, our congregations to think rightly and biblically and consistently on, uh, on early embryonic development in the value of, of, uh, of human embryos as, as, uh, as little human beings. So I think that's important. Pastors need to be teaching and talking about it. The vast majority of pastors don't, sadly. And uh, even a lot of pro-life pastors, uh, you know, who, who will preach uh, a sanctity of life sermon, oftentimes don't get into the necessary detail and properly educate their congregations to think rightly and to respond to objections and to contend for the faith in the public square in an articulate and persuasive manner. And that's important, especially if we're going to win these legislative fights. Amen. Well, uh, as you know, one of the primary reasons that you are on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio today is that when I originally made the announcement that you were the representative to defend the abolitionist movement in a debate with Scott Klusendorf, who will be the representative of incrementalism, uh, in a debate with you on this program on Wednesday, February 21st. Uh, when I first made the announcement, I was very surprised that I began to become inundated with uh, angry uh, social media posts saying that what are you doing having Jason Storms debate an incrementalist? That's like having an incrementalist debate an incrementalist. He's no abolitionist. <laughs> and there began to be this outcry, uh, which seems to have died down. I, in fact, there are no, I'm very surprised there are no questions that have come in yet from some of those people who were objecting to your participation in this debate representing abolitionism. Uh, none of these abolitionists who are angry about that have sent in questions today or even comments. No, but, not surprising. Uh, but the thing that was just perplexing is that when I would say to these people, uh, Jason Storms comes uh, with the highest recommendation to represent abolitionism by the abolitionists that I personally know, which include Jeff Durbin, Josh Bice, and Brian Gunter, uh, who is the uh, pastor of First Baptist Church in Livingston, Louisiana, and is a passionate abortion abolitionist. Uh, and by the way, folks, if you want to listen to a wonderful program I did with Brian Gunter on the theme has pro-life evangelical Christian Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson betrayed 
the cause to rescue the unborn from slaughter. Uh, you can just type in Gunter in the search engine at ironsharpensironradio.com, G-U-N-T-E-R, and that will come up. That took place on December 5th of last year. Uh, but uh, when I said to these people, these men highly recommended uh, Jason Storms to participate in this debate, and every one of them said, oh, that can't be, you're mistaken, you didn't understand them, uh, either you're being dishonest or you just totally misunderstood what Jeff and Josh and Brian said. Those men we love, they're our champions they're doing the right thing, but Jason, no way. And, uh, of course, all three of those men that I mentioned adamantly and enthusiastically confirmed that they are 100% behind you as the choice. So explain this, if you could. Oh, in, 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 fa- in, in fact, could you explain it when we come back from the final break? We have to go to our final break right now. Sounds good. All right, don't go away, folks. We'll be right back. James White of Alpha and Omega Ministries here. If you've watched my Dividing Line webcast often enough, you know I have a great love for getting Bibles and other documents vital to my ministry rebound to preserve and ensure their longevity. And besides that, they feel so good. I'm so delighted I discovered Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding. No radio ad will be long enough to sing their praises sufficiently, but I'll give it a shot. Jeffrey Rice of Post Tenebris Lux is a remarkably gifted craftsman and artisan. All his work is done by hand from the cutting to the pleating of corners to the perimeter stitching. Jeffrey uses the finest and buttery soft imported leathers in a wide variety of gorgeous colors like the turquoise goat skin tanned in Italy used for my Nessie Allen 28th edition with a navy blue goat skin inside liner and the electric blue goat skin from a French tannery used to rebind a Reformation study Bible I used as a gift. The silver gilding he added on the page edges has a stunning mirror finish resembling highly polished chrome. Jeffrey will customize your rebinding to your specifications and even emboss your logo into the leather, making whatever he rebinds a one-of-a-kind work of art. For more details on Post Tenebris Lux Bible Rebinding, go to ptlbiblerebinding.com. That's ptlbiblerebinding.com. I'm Dr. Tony Costa, Professor of Apologetics and Islam at Toronto Baptist Seminary. I'm thrilled to introduce to you a church where I've been invited to speak and have grown to love, Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Coram, Long Island, New York, pastored by Rich Jensen and Christopher McDowell. It's such a joy to witness and experience fellowship with people of God like the dear saints at Hope Reformed Baptist Church in Coram, who have an intensely passionate desire to continue digging deeper and deeper into the unfathomable riches of Christ in His Holy Word, and to enthusiastically proclaim Christ Jesus the King and His doctrines of sovereign grace in Suffolk County, Long Island, and beyond. I hope you also have the privilege of discovering this precious congregation and receive the blessing of being showered by their love, as I have. For more information on Hope Reformed Baptist Church, go to hopereformedli.net. That's hopereformedli.net. Or call 631-696-5711. That's 631-696-5711. 
Tell the folks at Hope Reformed Baptist Church of Quorum, Long Island, New York, that you heard about them from Tony Costa on Iron Sharpens Iron. When Iron Sharpens Iron Radio first launched in 2005, the publishers of the New American Standard Bible were among my very first sponsors. It gives me joy knowing that many scholars and pastors in the Iron Sharpens Iron Radio audience have been sticking with or switching to the NASB. I'm Dr. Joseph Piper, President and Professor of Systematic and Homiletical Theology at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Taylor, South Carolina. And the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Chuck White at the First Trinity Lutheran Church in Tonawanda, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Anthony Mathenia of Christ Church in Radford, Virginia, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jesse Miller of Damascus Road Christian Church in Gardnerville, Nevada, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Bruce Bennett of Word of Truth Church in Farmingville, Long Island, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Rodney Brown of Metro Bible Church in South Lake, Texas, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. I'm Pastor Jim Harrison of Red Mills Baptist Church in Mayapack Falls, New York, and the NASB is my Bible of choice. Here's a great way for your church to help keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio on the air. Pastors, are your pew Bibles tattered and falling apart? Consider restocking your pews with the NASB. And tell the publishers you heard about them from Chris Arnzen on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Go to nasbible.com. That's nasbible.com to place your order. President of the SecureCom Group and an enthusiastic supporter of Chris Arnzen's Iron Sharpens Iron radio program. The SecureCom Group provides the highest level of security, closed-circuit television, access control, and communication systems for Manhattan's top residential buildings, as well as churches, commercial properties, municipalities, and more. We custom install exactly what you need to protect yourself, including digital recording, off-site viewing, and connectivity from most smart devices. From simple code-activated systems to the latest technology using facial recognition, the SecureCom Group has it. We also provide the latest in intercom and IP telephone systems. In addition, we provide superior networking platforms. We'll create, maintain, and secure your local network. Whether it's a Wi-Fi or hardwire network, we'll implement the latest secured firewall, endpoint solutions, and cloud backup. I would love to have the honor and privilege of helping protect the lives and property of Iron Sharpens Iron radio listeners and their associates. For more details on how the SecureCom Group may be of service to you with the very latest in security innovations, call 718-353-3355. That's 718-353-3355. Or visit securecomgroup.com. That's securecomgroup.com. This is Brian McLaughlin of the SecureCom Group, joining Chris Arnzen's family of advertisers to keep Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. 
Hi, I'm Buzz Taylor. Chris Arnzen of Iron Sharpens Iron Radio has had a long-time partnership with our friends at CVBBS, which stands for Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. They specialize in supplying Reformed and Puritan books and Bibles at discount prices that make them affordable for everyone. CVBBS has been a family-owned book service since 1987, operating out of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. They seek to bring you the best available Christian books and Bibles at the best possible prices. Unlike other book sites, they make no effort to provide every book that is available or popular because, frankly, much of what is being printed is not worth your time. That means you can get to the good stuff faster. It also means you don't have to worry about being assaulted by the pornographic, heretical, and otherwise faith-insulting materials promoted by the secular book vendors. Browse the pages at ease, shop at your leisure, and purchase with confidence at Cumberland Valley Bible Book Service. Order online at cvbbs.com. That's cvbbs.com. Or you can order by phone at 1-800-656-0231. That's 1-800-656-0231. Please let our friends at CVBBS know that you heard about them on Iron Sharpens Iron Radio. Hi, this is John Sampson, pastor of King's Church in Peoria, Arizona, taking a moment of your day to talk about Chris Arnzen and the Iron Sharpens Iron podcast. I consider Chris a true friend and a man of high integrity. He's a skilled interviewer who's not afraid to ask the big penetrating questions while always defending the key doctrines of the Christian faith. I've always been happy to point people to this podcast knowing it's one of the very few safe places on the internet where folk won't be led astray. I believe this podcast needs to be heard far and wide. This is a day of great spiritual compromise, and yet God has raised Chris up for just such a time. And knowing this, it's up to us as members of the body of Christ to stand with such a ministry in prayer and in finances. I'm pleased to do so, and would like to ask you to prayerfully consider joining me in supporting Iron Sharpens Iron financially. Would you consider sending either a one-time gift or even becoming a regular monthly partner with this ministry? I know it would be a huge encouragement to Chris if you would. All the details can be found at ironsharpensironradio.com where you can click support. That's ironsharpensironradio.com. And folks, do not forget that this program, Iron Sharpens Iron Radio, is made possible in part by the financial support of the law firm of Buttafuoco and Associates. If you are the victim of a very serious personal injury or medical malpractice, no matter where you live in the United States, call Dan Buttafuoco, attorney at law, at 1-800-NOW-HURT or visit his website, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com, 1-800-NOW-HURT.com. Make sure you mention Chris Arnzen of Iron Trip and Zion Radio. Also, if you're a man in ministry leadership, you are invited to my next free Biannual Iron Sharpens Iron Radio Pastors Luncheon, Thursday, June the 6th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. at Church of the Living Christ in Loysville, Pennsylvania, which is Perry County. My guest speaker for the very first time is Dr. Joel Beakey, the founder and president of Puritan Reform Theological Seminary. Not only is your admission free and your lunch free and your time of fun and fellowship and rest and relaxation free, you will also receive, everybody will receive, a free heavy sack of brand new books personally selected by me and also donated by generous Christian publishers all over the United States and the United Kingdom uh, just for being present there at the Free Pastors Luncheon. So if you want to register for free, 
Send me an email to chrisarnson at gmail.com, chrisarnson at gmail.com, and put Pastor's Luncheon in the subject line. We're now back with my guest, Jason Storms. And, Jason, if you could explain uh, the hostility I was receiving from self-proclaimed abolitionists who believed that you were not an appropriate representative for their cause in this upcoming debate with Scott Klusendorf on Wednesday, February 21st on Iron Sharp and Zion Radio. And the frustrating aspect of it was each and every one of these individuals uh, agreed that uh, Jeff Durbin, Josh Bice, and Brian Gunter were their heroes, and yet they seemed to distrust their discernment about you, or they just thought that I was out of my mind and misunderstood what they were saying in their recommendation of you. So if you could explain this. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you loud and clear. Okay, <clears throat> good. Um, my thing was spinning there. So, yeah, so, well, um, my knowledge of those guys is they actually are very critical of Josh Bice and critical of Jeff as well. Uh, in fact, many of them have, uh, you know, I've seen comments where they've, they've ripped on Jeff Durbin and, and questioned his genuineness as a, as a abolitionist. So, you know, what you've got going on here is there's kind of uh, different wings of the abolitionist movement that have emerged and uh, from my perspective, one would be sort of a reasonable, godly leadership, uh, you know, principled, but yet uh, gracious in the way that we engage with and deal with uh, brothers who aren't quite where we are as we move them, seek to move them our direction, and also just simply recognizing nuance. So, you know, the problem with what, you know, we, we call like the early abolitionist movement went by the moniker of AHA. Right. And there was just a lot of problems there. A lot, a lot of things that were were out of line. You know, in some ways it was a youth movement. You mentioned earlier the level of disrespect that is routinely shown to older people. Well, that was a big part of the early abolitionist movement and still is a part of the uh, uh, swaths of the abolitionist movement where there is a profound disrespect, a willingness to just for young men, you know, who listen to a AHA lecture uh, to just jump on social media and just start bashing older godly men who identify as pro-life. And, uh, and that's just really ugly type behavior, you know, and, and what oftentimes would happen in the midst of that was there seemed to be an inability of some people, particularly certain abolitionist leaders to critique ideas and to critique strategy and to critique uh, and assess principles without attacking character and impugning motives. And this is such a common thing where, you know, and it, we watched him do it with Scott Kusendorf, for example. People jumped all over Scott Kusendorf on many threads. Have just been vicious, saying he's just in it for the money, and uh, he's just a career man. And he doesn't really care about babies being killed, and just all this kind of stuff. I was like, why would you even say that? There's just no reason to. You, a, you know, and, and sometimes this was like 20 year old, 25 year old young men saying these things who had been in this fight for like a year or two years. Cage you know? stage abolitionists. <laughs> Yes, yes. And and so those guys have done just a, a ton of damage. You know, a lot of those guys attacked Jeff Durbin. Jeff had actually back in 2018 exposed a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, with a group of guys in Norman, Oklahoma. Me and Rusty Thomas spent hours mediating that. And so, um, you know, there, there's there's just a group of, of abolitionists that 
uh, you know, can be really nasty. And they get their marching orders from their leaders to just go and attack and agitate. They use this phrase, agitate, agitate, agitate. So, you know, that's what they were doing. They were they were given marching orders to agitate me. They've been told all sorts of things about me that are just flat not true. Um, and so, you know, they, 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 they twist things that I say, they look for every opportunity and, uh, you know, to try to discredit me. And so one of the reasons I think they do that is because I say the very things I'm saying now, I have been critical of, uh, even when I was a AHA shirt wearing, you know, uh, pastor, I would say things like, look at the abolitionist movements known for a lot of things, love the passion, love the zeal, love the commitment to principle, uh, love the way that you guys utilize social media very effectively as young people. But one thing the abolitionist movement is not known for is humility. And scripture says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Clothe yourself in humility. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. And so this has been a major problem with the abolitionist movement. And many of us have separated ourselves from that behavior and from people that act that way and just said, we're not going to associate with that. And so that just brings even more of their ire upon us. Um, so bottom line is there is good and bad abolitionists, just like there's good and bad incrementalists. Uh, there are godly Christian men committed to Christ who love the Lord and raise godly children who still are in an incrementalist camp. And uh, so, you know, I'll say a word about good and bad incrementalism in that sense. As I told you, I don't like those terms. So um, to answer your question succinctly, there, there's personal issues that some of these folks have, personal behavior issues. And then there is there, there, there is some strategy differences. Like, for example, me and Jeff Durbin, some other guys did a, uh, uh, had a bill of equal protection in South Carolina a few years ago, and we, we, uh, the bill was defeated. And we had a whole legislative session ahead of us. So our bill sponsor, Jonathan Hill, great guy, he said, hey, guys, the budget's coming up and there's funding for Planned Parenthood. I'm going to introduce a motion to strike the funding for Planned Parenthood. We said, let's do it. We'll support you. We had a rally already planned for equal protection. We did that, and we also mentioned cutting the funding for Planned Parenthood. Well, these guys, you know, particularly in Oklahoma, they attacked us for that. They said, oh, that's incrementalism. That's, uh, you know, you're delaying abolition. You know, you're compromising. They attacked me, attacked Jeff, attacked others. One of the one of the guys that was critiquing us said, you know, we're not commanded to defund the altars of Molech. We're commanded to tear down the altars of Molech. And that sounds really good. The problem is that individual has not torn down an altar of Molech. Uh, no abolitionists have torn down an altar of Molech. None of us have ended abortion. Abortion is still thriving in this culture. And so I'm not interested in a theoretical ideology. I'm interested in actually ending this killing and what do we need to do to actually end it. And the reality is that there's going to be incremental steps in that process. As we stand on one line and hold the line and call for equal protection and make the arguments, we're going to shift the Overton window our direction. And we're going to pull the, the, the movement and the establishment our way, and we're going to get incremental victories, quote unquote, uh, out of that. That's what's going to happen. There's going to be steps as they begin to move our direction, and we continue to hold the line. You know, we don't advocate for those incremental bills. We don't advocate for those incremental steps. We hold the line at, at abolition, and we hold the line at equal protection, but we recognize that that is a part of the process. There's going to be a pulling of the Overton window our way. And the practical realities of how we're going to see abortion ended is it's going to happen that way, right? We're going to move them from you know, a heartbeat bill to a life of conception bill. And then we're going to have to deal with the punishments and get the punishments from others woven in. And so we don't compromise. We don't support those incremental steps. We don't celebrate them. Uh, we don't give them a pass. Those that have, uh, you know, th those that are pulling on the other end of the spectrum, right? The political establishment opposes 
and they're pulling the other way, right? Um, so anyway, um, you know, I think that's that's where some of the, the differences can be found is we're not so much interested, I'm not interested in just having a pure abstract theoretical ideology that I can club people with and say, I'm the pure guy. I'm interested in what's going to save babies' lives because I think that's what glorifies the Lord. Amen. And we're, we're out of, we make it. Then we're out of time, brother. Go ahead. And I want to make sure that. Well, our, bummer. Yeah, this. I want to make sure our listeners have your website. OperationSaveAmerica.org. OperationSaveAmerica.org. And don't forget about the website for Mercy Seat Christian Church, where uh, my guest, Jason Storm, serves on the staff alongside his father-in-law, my friend, Matt Trujella, who's been a guest on this program. MercySeat.net, MercySeat.net. Did you ever find the website that you wanted to look up earlier? Uh, for... I did not. I'm sorry. That's it's all right. Kingdom Leadership Institute. Well, people just uh, look up uh, Jason at one of those websites that I provided. Thank you so much for being such an excellent and informative guest. I want you all to always remember for the rest of your lives that Jesus Christ is a far greater Savior than you are a sinner.